0: I don't know, and I don't know much, but I know that I love you, and that may be all I need to know, and I don't know much. But I know that I love you, and that may be all I need to know. Some of you my age will remember that love song. (laughs) Um, I've been singing that chorus this whole year, mostly just to him. I don't know much. I actually wanted to change the word. I don't know much, but I hope that I love you. What do we know? So, this is my first time ministering in weeks and weeks. I've been sick. And I can feel my voice doesn't want to go where I want it to go. <laughs> it will get stronger again. I was reminded when we were singing this little chorus to him. I want to love you the way that you love me. And I was watching the game last night too. And uh, I had my, my boy on my lap explaining to him the game. And, and uh, in the beginning of the second half, he got tired. And uh, he lifted his little head up to mine and he kissed me on the cheek. And he said to me, Daddy, I love you. That was the highlight of the match for me. <laughs> Here's the thing, is love is still immature, but it meant the world to me. I think most of us, our love is still immature, but it means the world to him. When we gather and kiss him on the cheek and say, we love you. The best we know how to. I think it moves him. A couple of weeks ago I was feeling guilty of not spending enough time with him because I've been so exhausted and tired. I was struggling to get out of bed at times. So this one evening I decided it's time, you know. (laughs) I've got to get back into this. Spending time with the Lord thing. So I set my alarm early for for the next morning and got my notebook ready and my Bible. My alarm went off early the next morning. I dragged this dead body out of bed. I was so tired. I was so weak. But I felt I had to, you know. So I went to... (laughs) make myself a coffee and uh, drag myself into the living room and I went to sit at the table with my coffee and my Bible open, wanting to spend time with him, wanting to please him, wanting to love him, wanting to be a good son. And as I sat there, I heard him speak to me and he said to me, what are you doing? I said to him, well, I came to spend time with you. And he said to me, but you're so tired. I said, I know. I really want to. And he said to me, why don't you do this? Close your Bible and close your journal. And go lie on the couch and fall asleep again. He said that. He said to me, he was reminding me of something he wanted more than my time. He wanted a connection with my heart. You see, God doesn't think time, he thinks connection. And sometimes our religious activity keeps us from that connection. Sometimes we just need to learn to rest. Sometimes we just need to let go and let the embrace of God overwhelm us. Sometimes we just need to get off the hamster wheel of our religiosity and be sons and daughters who know how to get back on his lap, fall into his arms, and that's okay. And in that moment of him saying to me, you know, go sleep. I, I, even then, I had this wrestle in my heart. Because it's not the Christian thing to do. Spend time with you is the Christian thing, Right? said, I I just want you to be my son, my boy. And And it's hard to explain. It's not what I want to talk to you about this morning, but I just had it on my heart because I fully know my love is immature. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't move his heart when I come. And I did that. I went to lie on the couch. I put some worship music on and I went to lie on the couch with my blanket and I fell asleep in His arms. What's a connection? More than anything, connection with your heart. Guys are quiet. You were loud just now. When we were singing His name is the highest, isn't it? I find myself at a place where I just want to declare His greatness and His goodness. His faithfulness. Sing to His glory and His majesty. The reformers had two flames burning in their hearts. The one flame was to God be all the glory. And the second flame was and to enjoy Him forever. It kept them on their journey to give God all the glory and to enjoy Him forever. I found in church that we do the first very good, but the second we find difficult. And Piper went a little bit further and he said, And this is how you glorify God, is by enjoying Him forever. I find that to be so true. When last have you enjoyed Him? Fully enjoyed Him. That your cup runs over. He's beautiful. Indescribable. Uncontainable, that song says. There's nothing and no one like Him. David said it so beautifully. Is it Psalm 74? We see, I think it's Psalm 74. God, I would know. He says, I've searched the heavens. And I've searched the earth. Whom have I but you? David says, I've searched the heavens. And there's, there's nothing there I want more than you. I've searched the earth. and There's nothing here I want more than you. Whom have I but you, Lord? There's nothing I desire more. So well said in Psalm 27, One thing I desire is to gaze upon. Beloved, to gaze is to know. It's to know Him intimately. Solomon comes to the end of his life He reflects. Ecclesiastes 2, right? Everything I desired, I had. Everything that my heart wanted, I took. I had slaves and women and vineyards and riches. And looking back at his life, he calculates and he comes to this conclusion. It's all vanity. The man who had the most looks back at his life and he says, I have nothing. And then Paul. He looks back at his life. The man who has nothing. He says, I count all things lost compared to the surpassing greatness and value of knowing him knowing him and the man who had nothing died with everything to know him i have searched the heavens and the earth whom have i but you whom have i but you you guys okay i asked the lord about stellenbosch am this morning And I wish I could give you a massive prophetic word. I felt the Lord saying this simply. I'm giving them my heart. Giving them my heart. They will be a people that know me intimately and deeply. Amen. He's giving you His heart. I, I saw this morning that you will go into times of worship where you will soak in your tears as you get lost in the wonder of the knowledge of the Lord. I feel this house is at the brink of a visitation. I know we dwell with God, but I feel you guys are on the brink of a visitation of the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord is the knowledge of the Lord that He wants to give to you and I was early this morning thinking of you and I'm not going to be long. And Psalm 48 verse 9 came to mind. The NLT says it this way. Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. Another way of saying it is, listen to this. Lord, as we worship you in your temple... Better said than that, as we worship you as your temple, obviously now, but as we worship you in your temple, listen to this. We recall over and over and over and over your kindness to us and your unfailing love. A more accurate way of saying it—that what David is is saying—is as we we gather to worship as your people, we recall, we call to mind again and again and again and again your kindness towards us. We remember your unfailing love, and we worship you. We worship you. Beloved, that's my story. That's your story. You are sitting here today because of his kindness. You are sitting here today because of his unfailing love. That what David is reminding the reader of that is saying, when you gather, remember, recall, bring to mind his kindness. He's been kind. His love is unfailing, it's sure, it's steadfast. And I was reminded of Psalm 23, David. I'm, I'm going to climb Psalm 23 at the end and work myself halfway, not fully there. But David comes to the end of that Psalm. I mean, how many of you love Psalm 23? I mean, you must love it. If you don't love it, go read it again. You'll fall in love with God. We sing that song. All my life you have been faithful. You know that song? And then at the end we sing your goodness is running after, running after me. Do you remember that? I remember I had this conflict of emotions in my heart when I first heard that song because we're singing to him, you know, all my life, you, you are faithful. Then suddenly it felt like we turned the song towards us and saying, and now you, that faithful God is now running after me. And I had a little bit of conflict in my heart concerning that for uh, just a short season. Until I stumbled into the Revelation. Of what David was saying when he said, surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. The Hebrew word that David used for follows is not to follow. It's the Hebrew word that means to chase down and overtake. Like a predator would chase down his prey and overtake it. It's, not, it's, it's David is not painting a picture of you walking with a little child behind you. And when you turn around, the little child is still following. Then <laughs> you walk and you turn around and the little child is still following. It's just close by. It's always there. But at a distance, it's following. It's not what David is saying. David is saying his goodness and his mercy is chasing me. Until it overtakes me. In another psalm, David David would say, your loving kindness is ever before me. The word he used there is the word geset, the Hebrew word. It means many things, but at the heart of it, 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 it paints a picture of loyal love. David is saying, I've taken many paths in my life, some of obedience, some of disobedience, some out of rebellion, some out of following the will and the voice of the Lord, some just following my own way. But no matter which way I took, I found myself running into loyal love. I found myself running into one waiting. And then Psalm 23, he goes a little bit further. And it says, not only I I do find him there ever before me, he's chasing me from behind. I have good news and bad news. Depending on where you sit today, you can't get away. You're either on your way to him, or you're either in a season where he's going to chase you down and overtake you you believe in your heart of hearts that he is that good that good and i'm rushing i'm going to i've made this note this is just a note and then i'll move on something David writes in Psalm 23, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I made a little comment here for myself. Your cup is overflowing because he emptied his. And I was reminded of Jesus. I think it was three times where He said to his father, could this cup not pass me? But not my will, but yours. And I was sitting this morning thinking about the first Adam that could not obey his father. But the second Adam, I'll drink it if you want me to. And your cup is overflowing to the brim. You are filled with the life of God because he emptied that cup. You see, when David says, call, we recall. We remember your kindness to us and we worship you. Your unfailing love and we worship you. And I wanted to get to this. This is the heart of what I wanted to share this morning. and I Went a little bit in a different way in the worship, but... It's what lives in my heart in the season. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We had this word of it. The Lord is preparing a table for us this morning, and He is preparing a table, not physically only, but spiritually. It's a beautiful picture that David paints. He's painting a picture of a God that is extravagant when he gives he not only gives what you need he gives far more than that it's beautiful the psalmist would say he leads me in the paths of righteousness have you ever thought what that means he leads me in the paths of righteousness That is David saying, talking about God's commitment to his maturity. A better way to say it or a more accurate way to say paths of righteousness is cycles of righteousness. The word path there means a walked A a, a path that's been worn, it's been walked, and it has this imagery of going around a mountain like in a spiral. You go around the mountain, but you don't stay on the bottom. You actually go higher and higher and higher up the mountain. David says it's cycles of righteousness. How many of you in your life have ever said, I feel like I've been around this mountain so many times, and here I am again? That's what David is saying, but David goes further, saying, it's cycles of righteousness, it's God's commitment to my maturity. Here's the thing, some of us go around mountains, but we look different when we come around it. We've matured. We look more like Him. The thing that moved us a year ago doesn't move us as much anymore. The thing that stressed us out, our finances, doesn't stress us out that much. We've grown in the righteousness of God. David says, your God is committed to your maturity. And he will lead you sometimes into difficult seasons. But it's for your good. We don't like hearing that. But it's true. And remember this every valley leads to a table. Every valley, if you are in a valley, you're on your way to a table that He's getting ready, a table that He's preparing for you. And I'm closing with this thought God sends Moses to go get his beloved. (laughs) rescue her from the hands of pharaoh and so the lord does rescue her and she's now fleeing for life and she finds herself standing in front of an impossibility the red sea there's no way through and there's an army coming from behind And so the Lord speaks to Moses in Exodus, right? And God opens, you know the story, God opens, they walk through on dry ground, the waters closes over the army of Pharaoh, and Miriam sings and dances, and Moses writes the song that in the book of Revelation, it said they're still singing the song of Moses. And God made a way where there was no way. It was an impossible situation. And he opened the sea. And they went through. Came to the other side. And they worshipped. David committed a sinful crime. He took the wife of another man, put that man in the army, got him murdered, got his wife pregnant took his wife as his own, got his wife pregnant. And then the Lord's anger burns against Moses. And he says, because of the sin, David, a sickness will befall the little boy. And I was thinking about that. That little boy did nothing. He didn't choose to come. He was just born like Liam. And he fell ill. And David, knowing the merciful God that he serves, fasts and prays for seven days on the floor. Go read it in 2 Samuel. It says the, the servants of David went to come and pick him up and try and feed him, but he wouldn't eat. David was standing in front of an impossibility. A little boy, his boy died. And then word came David, your son is dead. And you know what he did? He went to wash his face in worship. You see, for David, the Red Sea didn't open. Paul is in prison with. And they praise, they sing a hymn. And as they sing a hymn, there's this mighty shaking and the prison doors opens and Paul walks out. And Western Church, Western Charismatic Church, now uh, brings out a little teaching that says, praise is your breakthrough. If you only praise, the prison doors will open. They forget all the other times that Paul praised and the doors didn't open. Most of the times, the Red Sea didn't open for Paul. But he worshipped. Paul didn't praise because he thought the shaking would come. The same with David. There was this revelation inside of them of a good God. That what I have is His kindness. faithfulness towards me is ever true he's fiercely committed to this journey with me we don't praise because we want a breakthrough we don't praise only because he gives the breakthrough we praise him because he is holy he is always good and you may sit here and for you the red sea did open And little Liam was born. And we could praise the King of Kings. But there might be some of you here, and for you that Red Sea is not opening. But what would you choose to do when those prison doors doesn't want to open? When the Red Sea doesn't want to part? How will you respond to this good God, this faithful God? You lead me on the paths of righteousness. And every valley would lead to a table because he's good. And he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You will never be alone. You have a God whose love is ever before you and it's chasing you down from behind no matter the circumstance, you may find yourself in. And in my heart, I've been challenged with this because I had to go towards the kisses of God when everything inside me didn't want to. When everything inside me wanted the but or the why or the But there's something beautiful uh, of going towards the face in the wilderness. It's a gift. So rare and so exquisite and so beautiful. When you get to love Him through difficult times. It's a beautiful gift you can give Him. Looking at Jesus in the example of how He loved His Father. The darkest place. David could worship, how Paul can sing. And we're all on different journeys. And some of us are walking through on dry ground. Praise the Lord. And some of us feel like we're drowning. Praise the Lord. He is faithful. And I want to end with the psalm I started with. As we gather to worship, Lord, we recall over and over and over and over again your kindness to us. I remember that I am but mercy. That's the story of my life. It's mercy. I remember your unfailing love and I worship you.